It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. afternoon welcome to a to z here on locked on sports atlanta where today i tell you it's not just an issue for one of atlanta teams welcome in we are live here on this tuesday welcome back hope everybody had a wonderful memorial day weekend got a chance to spend some time outside in the beautiful weather got to enjoy some loved ones and of course hope you took a moment to pay your respects to our fallen heroes and service members all across America and their families throughout history. So uh, all that out of the way. Again, welcome back. It's great to be with you guys. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. Of course, you can follow me at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons, will join us. We'll uh, we'll get an update from him on where things are as we start to get into the OTA season. Of course, the Braves continuing to struggle. Shovels of Wisdom all coming up. We'll get to that here today on this Tuesday. But, you know, I, I wanted to start with a column that I saw Friday afternoon uh, in The Athletic by Josh Kendall, who's the beat writer for the Falcons for The Athletic. And I thought it was interesting because it's a topic that we've talked about a lot with the Atlanta Braves. It's a topic that I've talked about a lot here on this show since the beginning of this season. And it's starting to manifest itself with the Braves, and we're seeing it now, and part of the struggles and where they are and, and how they're going to get out of it has all been attributed, or I shouldn't say all, part of it has been attributed to one thing, leadership, right? We keep asking about where's Freddie? Where's Freddie Freeman? Where's Freddie in all this? And so, you know, I I think that that's a fair question. I think it is a fair question of who's the guy in the clubhouse. Remember that whole story from Jeff Francoeur, the the Braves TV broadcaster, and Jeff Schultz of The Athletic, who wrote, maybe they need an A-hole. Remember that? That whole deal, they need somebody in the the clubhouse going to energize them. Well, the Falcons had their OTAs last Thursday. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on Friday. D-Led came on the show. Uh, and one of the things that was brought up here for, or at least by Josh Kendall, was the fact that without Matt Ryan at OTAs and at camp, you know, it's different. And that's understandable, right? Like when you have a guy who's here for 14 years and he's the one constant Matt Ryan has now been here for three coaches. He's been here for two GMs. He's been here for a whole bunch of changes. Um, And he's been the one constant. So now there's something different here. And whereas with the Braves, we say, well, who's the leader? Who's the leader? Who's the leader? And we're we're questioning it with the Falcons. You're saying who's the leader and you're sort of waiting to figure out who that is in more of a positive way. But I will say this much. I think – Matt Ryan not being here is actually a good thing for the Falcons. When Arthur Smith was given the reins of this team and he was set to put his own stamp on things, you know, we talk so much about culture and the, and the culture that Arthur Smith is trying to create around here. And it's not that Matt Ryan couldn't buy into that culture or couldn't be part of it, but Matt Ryan created his own culture that you are never going to get rid of that you are never going to change you're never going to undercut your starting quarterback you know what happens when you do that you lose your starting quarterback see the cleveland browns and baker mayfield so 
Matt was always going to have his stamp on things. And I'm not saying it's a bad stamp. What I am saying here is that for Arthur Smith, a guy who wants to change the entire culture of this team, it is not easy to do when you have previous cultures and players from previous cultures still doing things a different way or doing things their way because that's what they've always done for 14 years. This is a blessing that Matt Ryan isn't here on several accounts. And again, I will reiterate, this is not about Matt Ryan's play or his ability as a quarterback. This is about culture. This is about changing this organization. This is about getting a different face on this thing and starting fresh. You don't get into a new relationship and leave pictures up of your old girlfriend. It's a bad idea. You, do, you don't get married and still hang out with your ex-wife on a routine basis if you don't have kids together. I mean, you know, if you have kids, it's different, but you get the point. Like, you don't just keep things from the past around. You turn the page. You start new. And that's where things, I think, for the Falcons can get better with new leadership overall, new on-the-field leadership. Now, again, there's not, like, a clear individual who's going to do this, right? There's not a, a leader. And I know we talk about Marcus Mariota and what he can do and, and how much he is, you know, a guy that may be able to take over the reins and whatever. I'm not even, I don't even know who it is and who's it going to be. You know, like I think that there is a certain amount of let's figure this out. Let's see what cream rises to the top. Let's see if there's anybody who provides any sort of leadership spark for this team. And I wouldn't even rule out some of the rookies. You know, maybe maybe Arnold Abicadie is a guy that that brings that leadership quotient to this team um, that that they were missing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, maybe Kyle Pitts steps up. Maybe we start to see the quiet kid all of a sudden start to get a little bit, find his own voice a little bit and start to be a little bit more of a leader. Um, you know, Julio was never a rah-rah guy, but you knew he was a leader. Um, people in the clubhouse followed him. Clubhouse, locker room. Sorry, get my sports confused. So whoever steps up, and somebody will, and if nobody does, guess what? You keep searching for that guy. And the good thing here, and here's the difference between the Falcons and the Braves and the leadership void. The leadership void with the Falcons, okay, if it doesn't get filled, that's okay because you still have time to look for it and there are no expectations. With the Braves, you're running out of time and there are massive expectations. So that pressure gets felt by everybody. In a situation like the Falcons, you can sort of spread that, that whole thing around. Um, you can sort of spread that whole sort of, uh, uh, you know, pressure to everybody of who's going to be the leader and, you know, share the load. And sometimes that makes a team come, to better, come together better. Sometimes they coalesce better because everybody is carrying a little bit of a load and it's not all just on one person. You know, I mean, uh, I I have been positively pumping up Arthur Smith as a coach, you know, and I'm excited to get out to camp finally again and 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 see him and talk with him and get a chance to sort of get a more of a feel for where his head is. You know, I had a really good relationship with Dan Quinn while he was here, and we got a chance to chat a little bit away from football, and you know, uh, you get a little bit more of a sense of who he is and things of that nature. Uh, I, I hope to develop that with Arthur Smith, but the sense that I get now just from afar. Um, is that he's all business and he makes clear expectations and he's not afraid 
to tell you what he thinks and be the leader that you need him to be. You know, a lot of guys sometimes want to, when they first get in, they want players to like them. They want first head coaching job. They want to make an impact. And there's a lot of different ways they go about doing that. I, I get a sense that Arthur Smith just puts his head down and goes to work every day, which is something that, you know, would be contrary to what you'd think being the fact that he is the son of the guy who, you know, created FedEx. So we'll see how that all comes to pass and all shakes out once the season starts. And these OTAs should start to tell you a lot. All right, coming up next, more on the Falcons and Aaron Freeman. He will join us. Plus, how nervous are you about the Braves? I'm getting there. That's coming up here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M A R K. Z-I-N-N-O. Before we give a shovel of wisdom to the Atlanta Braves for how bad they played, uh, let's do our regular shovels of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Yeah, that's right. You know how we do it. Time to whack somebody upside the head with a shovel. If you'd like to do so, you can tweet me at Mark Zeno. Use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Paul Pelosi. Yeah. Uh, you guys know Paul Pelosi? You know, if you didn't before this week, I didn't know Paul. I do now. Uh, Paul Pelosi happens to be the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And well, uh, Paul got in a little bit of trouble over the weekend, over Memorial Day weekend. He was uh, uh, arrested alleged drunk driving after a two-vehicle two vehicle collision. The 82-year-old was driving a 2021 Porsche. It was hit by a 2014 Jeep as Pelosi's car, tried to cross a state road in Napa County. Uh, yeah. You know, here's the thing. Um, when you are like the husband of an elected official, you have to kind of act like an elected official if you're not one. Um, according to statements, he was attending a dinner party. He left the party about 10.15 to drive home, which he described as, quote, a short distance away. If it was a short distance away. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on in politics right now. And if you're a House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, the last thing you want is your drunk husband crashing into walls and other cars and things of that nature. And, uh, well, hey, have at it. All right. There you go. Okay. Let's get to the Atlanta Braves because they also uh, could use a, a shovel of wisdom and maybe whack, wake them up. Yeah, there you go. So. <laughs> Uh, bad game yesterday uh, defensively, and you know Spencer Strider looked great. Uh, all things considered, uh, if you're into the gambling world, as soon as they part, start putting K props up for Spencer Strider, hit the over until the market corrects. Trust me, I'm already eyeing his next start uh, and and hitting the over on the K prop. So there's that. But you know, again, it's 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 the brand of baseball that they're playing to me that is really really troublesome. Like that's what is is frustrating. This isn't about them not being able to get over 500. This isn't about them not being able to, uh, you know, look like the best team in baseball. They just don't seem to be playing a good brand of baseball right now. Like the games that they lose, it's like they lose convincingly, right? Like it's it's the game against the Marlins that Saturday game that they lost four uh, one, or was it Sunday? I forget which one it was. But anyway, Sandy Alcantara looked. Phenomenal, right? Like he just dominated the entire team. It wasn't close. You know, I know it was a close game for a better part of it, but it's just 
the lineup looks so ineffective. You, you look at last night against the Diamondbacks. You have um, some some bad fielding and, and, you know, just mistakes that don't need to happen. And you lose to a team like the Diamondbacks that's, that's struggling as well. You know, they, they've fallen below 500. And so this is the stretch right now that they're supposed to start to get right. I, I've talked to you guys about this. Here we are, right? We're a day from June. According to me, almighty me, they have two weeks to get right. They have two weeks to fix all this and get above 500. You're playing Colorado next below 500, Oakland, who's terrible, Pittsburgh, who's terrible, Washington, who's terrible. And by the end of that series, it's June 15th. And then you even get three more against the Cubs, who are also struggling. Uh, This is the stretch where it has to happen. It absolutely is the stretch where it has to happen. If it doesn't, you you better be prepared for uh, us to be talking about how to get this team back to the postseason. Because it's it's not going to be pretty. Like it's not a situation where this starts to get good for the Braves, and that's that's problematic, man. I mean, I don't know. You, you call up Michael Harris from Double A, and it's very contrary to what this organization does. They slow roll the heck out of everybody, bringing them to the majors. And they wait, 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 and bring them up. Why? Because you needed to shake up the lineup. You needed to shake up things from top to bottom. And start letting guys know, hey, if you can't perform, you're not going to play. Um, and this is not what a championship caliber club looks like. If crying out loud, during this next two weeks, at some point, win three in a row. Like, let's just start there. Win three in a row. I mean, that's all you're really asking for. That's how you really start a winning streak. Win three in a row. So I, I am, you know, very much a guy who looks at this and goes, uh, the, the writing is starting to get on the wall here. You know, we're, we're post-Memorial Day, and I get why people are upset at this point, but we need to see something different from this team. And if they can't get right, well, uh, I am curious to see how the organization does things. A lot of high-level teams would make wholesale changes, would start to really address some of the major holes. Um, and I feel like they did that this offseason. And, uh, well, guess what? You know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't work. And that's where we're going to be on June 15th if we haven't figured this thing out. That's where we're going to be in a situation where uh, we have to start looking at ways to fix this team sooner rather than later. And that's an uncomfortable spot for defending World Series champion. Coming up next, Aaron Freeman. Locked on Falcons. We'll get back into the Falcons and where we're going from here. Who's the leader on this team coming up in 2022? That's next right here on A to Z on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z. Finishing up here on this Tuesday with our good friend. You can hear him and even see him on our Locked on Sports Atlanta network on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and like there, but you also listen to the Locked on Falcons podcast. It's Aaron Freeman joining the show as he routinely does. Aaron, welcome back, brother. Good to talk to you. Always fun to talk with you, Mark. <laughs> I commented today earlier uh, about the top of the show about um, there was a column in The Athletic over the weekend about, you know, with Matt Ryan being gone, it's different, right? Like there is a, seems to be like a leadership void um, on the team this year. And I actually think that's a good thing. And and this, you know this, this isn't about Matt's play, but Matt being gone is actually better for this organization at this point 
Like, I don't want any vestiges of anything that was before sort of still hanging around. And anytime you have your quarterback and your starting quarterback who's been around as long as Matt has, Matt's doing things Matt's way. Like, the coach can interject whatever they want, but if Matt isn't 100% bought in with what the coach wants, guess what? Guess who they all follow? The quarterback. And so from a certain, certain standpoint, I actually think Matt being gone kind of helps the culture change that Arthur Smith is trying to bring about. Am I wrong? No, I think that's a fair assessment of things. Uh, I know you've been a, a big advocate of, you know, a, a clean break or a refresh or restart, however you want to call it. Uh, and I, I think that makes a, t- a ton of sense for the Falcons to go in that direction. And you have an opportunity for some new voices to emerge because obviously uh, this new regime is looking to build something up differently. Obviously you still have some guys like Jake Matthews and Grady Jarrett in the locker room that a lot of these young guys are going to be looking towards. Uh, but certainly at the quarterback position where, you know, that's the the prime leader in your locker room. I certainly think the Falcons uh, will be looking in a new direction. People like Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter will have an opportunity to assert themselves this year and in the future. Uh, I know I've said this uh, to several of the people who've come on this show. And of course, you've already heard this because what do you do every day when you get up? You listen to A to Z. It's like the first thing you do, right? I mean, Absolutely. you know. Get up out of bed, feet on the floor, hit the can real quick, and then pop an A to Z. Um, I kid. But I am not going to give a pass to Arthur Smith or to Kyle Pitts or to even Drake London to a certain extent for having non-productive years. Like, you drafted Kyle Pitts knowing that Matt Ryan wasn't going to be the quarterback at some point and you were transitioning to somebody else. Like, that was the reality you knew was going to happen, Right. And you drafted Drake London knowing Matt Ryan wasn't going to be your quarterback. And you did that two years in a row in the first round. If you failed to address the offensive line because that was the biggest problem on the offense, I'm not going to give you a pass for not putting up good numbers. Like Kyle Pitts needs to progress. He needs to have a, a, a year that shows progress. I'm not going to necessarily define those numbers yet, but from a target share standpoint, if Kyle doesn't get 120 targets, it's derelict on Arthur Smith and the entire offense. I don't care if Marcus Mariota misses him by a plumb mile and hits a fan in section 206 when he throws it, but it better be thrown in his direction. Like to me, that's inexcusable. And the people pointing to the offensive line, no, 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 no. You chose to, to take these two pass catchers over addressing the offensive line. So it's on you to ultimately use those two pass catchers in a way that is beneficial to the team. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I probably set the over under on Kyle Pitts targets at higher than 120. I, I think he I probably so. needs a, a lot more than that, like 150, 160, something like that. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day where if the offensive line struggles again, you you know, someone like a Jalen Mayfield is going to probably be scapegoated. And I kind of look at it like this, where like it's not Jalen Mayfield's fault that he was kind of rolled out there before he was ready. And so I, I feel like one of the things that we may wind up seeing this year if the offensive line doesn't show the progress that I think a lot of people are hoping and clearly this coaching staff believes they can is you'll see a lot of people pointing fingers at the individual offensive linemen. And I, I kind of flip that and say, like, it's, it's not their fault that they're not good enough, right? Like they're doing the best that they can. It's really the people making the decisions, the Arthur Smith, the Terry Fontenot's that if this offensive line struggles, it's really on them more so than the individual components of that offensive line. And so I'm kind of there with you on that front. I think this team, um, you know, has made some decisions. Uh, Certainly we can question some of those decisions, particularly with the investments in the pass catchers and 
maybe not as many investments on the offensive line in a running game where we know this Arthur Smith offense is kind of predicated off of. And so it, it, it's going to be a, a tall order for Arthur Smith to kind of maximize this group in this running game and this ground attack uh, to see if he can do that without necessarily having the horses. And so if they don't, that's really on him. Uh, if they do, that's also on him, and he'll deserve a lot of the credit as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, literally, it'll be three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, it's a three-step drop and throw it to the, the, the tallest, biggest guy you could find and hope for the best, right? That's the uh, the offensive plan. Um, I'm looking at the calendar right now. It says May 31st, which means tomorrow is June 1st and post-June 1st cuts. Uh, how much longer is Deion Jones a Falcon? I don't know. I I mean, the thing I've been thinking and the thing I've been talking with people about is, you know, him being sidelined with this injury is very convenient for the Falcons because if and when we get to mandatory minicamp in a couple of weeks, like he doesn't have to show up, uh, which is a good thing for the Falcons because everybody's sort of telling me that the Falcons are prepared to move on. And at some point in time, they will move on from Deion Jones, whether that's a trade, whether it's a release. It sounds like from everybody I've talked to, no one really thinks a trade is going to develop at any point in the next couple of weeks. So he's going to trade for an injured guy. Yeah. So I, I think <laughs> he'll probably get released at some point. You know, when that time is, if it's, you know, Friday or whatever the case may be, that's possible. If it's later this month, if they wait till training camp, hoping that something develops via trade talk or whatever like the case somebody may gets be. hurt or whatever and there's an once he starts to get healthy again there's a necessity for him so yeah it, it, it doesn't seem likely that Deion jones will be there day one of training camp whenever that is Ju- july whatever um but your guess is as good as mine between now and then when the falcons will decide ultimately yeah, to move on. i, I mean look i i hate to assume the worst of people right but the the, the timing feels nefarious you know, like the timing of, of understanding the injury and everything, unless the Falcons knew about it and purposely waited OTAs to announce it, uh, which I couldn't understand why. They 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 are the ones on the bad side of it, right? Or, or, or again, and the only reason they're, they're willing to make this announcement now at this point in time is because they've exhausted every trade possibility and nobody wants it. Because you would, if you're the Falcons, you would not announce that a player you're trying to trade is hurt, right? Like that's not what would go on ever. And so from that standpoint, um, the timing is certainly curious. And Dion, from a guy who, who's already got money in his pocket, may be willing to turn around and just go, guess what? Uh, I don't care what kind of situation this puts you in. I'll be here for my roster bonus. I'll be here for my training camp bonus because I'm hurt. You can't not pay me kind of deal, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, Dion Jones potentially makes out like a bandit here because if they want yeah. releasing him, he gets to choose – where he wants he gets exactly yeah right 100 percent. so uh, i mean either well played by the by dion or poorly played by the falcons or maybe a combination of both uh who knows you know um well he's, he's got drew rosenhouse as his uh agent yeah he's no right. dummy right i mean he's yeah. he's, he's, he's been, been around, around a while, for a while yeah. he, he's seen a couple of these things uh go in his athlete's favor uh defensively i am curious to see uh what the lineup looks like out at OTAs like are we thinking like it's Ebicady and Grady Jarrett on one side next to each other like that seems like the smartest play to me um you know with Ebicady outside him at least you're putting all your best players on one side yeah sure it's easy to scheme against I guess to block it but why not run with it yeah that makes total sense one of the things I noticed watching Ebicady at Penn State was he wasn't as great 
running stunts. And so I know that was something that Lorenzo Carter did really well uh, with the Giants last year, particularly down the stretch when he was getting a lot of those sacks and pressures. Um, so part of me sits there and says, okay, if you want to put two guys next to each other, particularly if you want to run stunts, Grady Jarrett and Lorenzo Carter may make a little bit more sense in that regard. But then again, Dean Pease didn't run a ton of stunts and twists last year. So maybe that's just not necessarily in the plan. And so getting a guy like Epicady, you know, one-on-one with the sort of double teams that Grady Jarrett's going to get on the interior and you get Epicady to basically unleash you know, that technique and those pass rush moves on the uh, outside makes a ton of sense. So I, I think the Falcons, you know, depending on how they play it, you know, can't go wrong with any combination of their two edge rushers alongside Grady Jarrett. We know that Grady Jarrett will make whoever lines up next to him better, uh, hopefully a lot better than he made Dante Fowler last year. Although Fowler, to his credit, was better in 2021 than he was in 2020. So uh, we'll give Grady Jarrett a little bit of the credit there nowhere to go but up as they say um (laughs) i'm just curious what the rest of the defense looks like and and how they're going to you know i I think we we can suppose some things you know is i is isaiah oliver just going to be the slot corner uh the whole time is that where they're going to keep him is he going to be forced to move back outside remember what a what a what a disaster that was for year two of him uh under dan quinn you know um uh, again, like we can suppose some of these things, but I'm really curious to see what Dean Pease has got together because I, I think he's very much a guy who, as you said, didn't run stunts because he knew it would be a failing proposition with the players that he had. He's got another year to put more players in there, albeit they're not great talents and not big names, but they do something that Dean Pease likes schematically, which is why they're here. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they're all employed. Yeah, I think, you know, th- this team defensively, I think has made significant strides this offseason. I feel like they've made a lot more strides on defense than they did offensively, picking up Casey Hayward, bringing back Isaiah Oliver, adding Ebiketti, adding Carter. Uh, it feels like they've made significant gains, but their depth is not great. And so they really kind of need a healthy season because, as you said, who is their kind of backup to Casey Hayward if he was to go down? Would they put Isaiah Oliver out there? As you say, he was not particularly great there um you know we saw the team struggle at the depth at the nickel cornerback position when oliver went down a year ago and they were forced to move richie grant there and play darren hall there and i know they're much more excited about what hall can do in year two but um you know some of these areas of the roster that they did get better at in terms of the starting lineup um their depth is not necessarily great there so it'll be interesting to pay attention to that in training camp to see if some of these young guys, some of these backup players can, you know, give you a little bit more confidence that should one of these, you know, players like AJ Terrell, you know, if they lost AJ Terrell or Grady Jarrett, that would be kind of a death knell to this defense moving forward. So that's going to be something important to keep an eye on uh, later this summer. I believe I said he was an abomination out there. I didn't say he was not good. I, I would like to be quoted correctly. I believe that called him, uh, a, a, a just terrible. So let's make sure we get that correct. I kid, but, um, and then one more here, you know, I, I believe this team will be more competitive than people are giving it credit for. And I attribute that to Arthur Smith. And I've said this repeatedly that I, I, I don't think it's at a, look, if they split with the saints and the Panthers, six wins for this team wouldn't be entirely out of the realm of possibility. And if you can do that and get one win less than when you had with Matt Ryan on this team, 
that is a massive coaching job done by Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot as far as putting a roster together. But I think this team is going to be a lot more competitive than what people think. Well, they have to be, right? Like, they're not going to get cupcakes on their schedule. They're not facing, what, four out of the top six teams that are going to be at the top of, of next year's draft in all likelihood. You know, right. maybe Pittsburgh's up there, maybe Chicago's up there, but you're, you're not getting a whole bunch of cupcakes like you were getting last year when you had like the third or fourth easiest schedule in the league. You got the ninth hardest schedule in the league. And, you know, last year we saw this team really struggle against the playoff caliber teams getting blown out by teams like Dallas and New England and, you know, struggling against Tampa Bay. And they're facing a whole lot of those teams, Cincinnati, Baltimore, uh, the Rams, Arizona, Tampa Bay, of course, New Orleans, like, they have to be more competitive in these games against some of these quality opponents. So if they're not, uh, that's a big, big problem uh, for this Arthur Smith regime moving forward. They, we can't see any more 43 to three blowouts uh, this season. No, certainly not. Follow him on Twitter at Falc fans. That's F A L C fans. Aaron Freeman host of locked on Falcons. Always great to spend some time with your brother. I hope you had a wonderful Memorial day weekend. We'll do this again real soon. Absolutely. All right, there we go. And that'll, wrap things up for us here today on this tuesday certainly appreciate you guys making a to z your first listen every day make sure you guys check out hitting hard with john chuckery and atl day ones with jarvis davis and tanitra batiste and all the great shows we have here on the locked on sports network locked on sports atlanta on twitter at locked on atl of course i'm at mark zinno uh back tomorrow another great show you guys have a great day don't get any crap from anybody see you Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.